Is that a devil in your pocket, or are you just happy to see me? Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Echoes from the Rest podcast. My name is Chris Perrin, and I am the devil hunter that is ferreting out all of the information about Palladium Books. So today's episode is not going to have that much me in it. I talked to Carl Gleba for almost an hour, and I had to break his interview into two segments. So I wasn't going to talk too much about role-playing for me today, because Carl's got a lot of really great insights into what's happening with the Minion War. In the next episode, I'll throw in a little bit more of myself, uh, some thoughts I've had about role-playing. But first, I just want to do a real quick segment. So we're going to talk about what's in the news. This is certainly an exciting time in the lives of Palladium fans. There is a lot of really great material that's coming out right now. I just looked at the latest press release. Rifter Zero's out. There's a collectible auction starting. I can finally get my Triax t-shirt. Awesome. And it's available in 5X. So I just think that's exciting. The reprinting, reprinting Juicer Uprising. I think that's great. And to make things even better, Dival's coming out. So we can finally get book two of the Minion War series. Which is somewhat of a shameless plug for Carl Gleba, who I'll be interviewing here in a little bit. But I am excited about the game coming out. Uh, I just happened to look at the coming soon list on the latest press release, and the list is really impressive. Rifter 43, Rift Anthology, Tales of the Chi-Town Burbs, which you heard Braden Campbell talk about on the show. The Robotech Masters, uh, the Macross Saga is on there twice. We're so excited about it. Shadow Chronicles, the Deluxe Edition, uh, the list just goes on and on. So that's really exciting, uh, and it's good that Palladium is producing so much material. I think that right after the crisis started, the coming soon list wasn't nearly that long. And it's just really exciting that it looks like Palladium is finally starting to come around and be that prolific company that we all remembered. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure I've ever seen a coming soon list that's that long. So that's really, really a good sign, even if Robotech Masters is on there twice. Anyway, I wanted to talk real briefly about getting sources of inspiration. Now, this idea came to me as I was listening to Carl's interview again, and I was just noticing how many ideas he's got. I mean, the man is writing a five-book series, for crying out loud, and he's not stopping there. In next episode's interview, he's going to tell you about what he's working on after Minion War is over. Uh, he's got a lot of energy, he's unstoppable, and it was just really exciting to feed off that energy. But I wanted to talk about where I pull ideas from when I'm running campaigns. I want to talk about where I get ideas for campaigns from, and then I'm hoping that you all will go on to the forums on palladiumbooks.com and tell me where you get your ideas from. Uh, if I see some good ones, maybe you can come on the show and talk about them, or if not, I'll discuss them on the show next episode. But for me, really, I get this feeling that where I pull my ideas from is very similar to where Brandon Aiden and Taylor White pull their ideas from. Uh, I got this theory after looking at the Rifter 31 article on a complex problem. Uh, it's where the PCs 
have to make a decision about whether or not they're going to support the scientist who thinks that Triax is committing war crimes, or are they going to side with Triax and uh, not let the scientist tell everyone about what's going on with some experiments that are happening? That is very rich with tension. I think right off the bat, you've got a, a question that needs to be answered. So it becomes a little bit more than fighting or that kind of thing. For me, that is very much where I like to role play. I like to have games that have a central theme which is greater than even the player's actions. One of my favorite campaign worlds is is a fantasy world, and it's just a homebrew setting that I've put together, where the church controls not only religion and science, and yes, I know, it's ultra-creative, but at the same time, there's sort of a splinter faction. So you've got seven schools that control seven branches of science, and you've got one school that is that just deals with saving people and spiritualism. And actually, in this setting, the side that is trying to save people and bring them into the light is the more maligned, weaker sect. So the players, unbeknownst to them, are actually doing things which is going to try to return the good, helpful, save people side back to prominence up against the ravages of the much more naturalistic side. That's kind of what interests me. I I watch dramas on TV, and I I look at the way characters' wants and needs are opposed, and I try to create as many scenarios as I can where there aren't bad guys, where you have two people that want the same, that want different things, and that brings them into conflict. But there are two, there are two different viewpoints, and each viewpoint on its own makes sense. The players just have to decide which way they're going to go. I still like to throw in a lot of the the standard tropes. I mean, there's still going to be fighting, and there's still going to be laughter, and it's not all going to be drama and, and tension. But at the same time, I, I want the game to be more. I guess that's the only way that I can say it. And so I'm kind of interested about how that resonates with with you, my listeners, uh, what you do to set up campaigns, especially the the longer-term ones, where it won't be players just getting together for a few nights, where really you've got to tie something together for a long period of time. What are the strategies you use? You know, For me, I always try to set up someone who's going to be the arch-villain re- recurring nemesis throughout the rest of the campaign, get that person some stage time immediately, and then let them continue to be a thorn in the side for a while. And in that case, I take a larger premise. You know, Again, I think the war between science and religion works well for that, and then break that up into a bunch of smaller premises. I don't know. I'm really interested to hear what other people do. I think it's one of those topics that, while it has been covered, it there's always a new take on it. So please write me at the show at echoesfromtherifts.com or go out on the forums and, and just tell me tell me what you do. I'm always interested to hear. I'm always interested to learn new strategies. And with that, here's Carl Gleba. Welcome back to the Echoes from the Rifts podcast. I'm Chris Perrin, and I'm here with... Carl Gleba. How's it going, Chris? Oh, I'm doing just fine. How are you doing? Good. Um, I'm glad to talk about the Minion War, specifically uh, Dival. 
from uh, our communications. Yes, yes. So tell us a little bit about Dival. Um, well, um, obviously Dival is, is another version of hell, just like Hades. Right. Um, for those who aren't, who don't follow all of the Palladium various role-playing games, they're the Devils versus Hades, which is the demons of Hades. Dival is basically its own unique dimension, well, which was originally defined by Bill Kaufman in um, the Library of Blethrad. And I use that as kind of my uh, my starting point for Deval. And um, I really had a lot of freedom from Kevin to kind of build it as pretty much as I wanted. And I needed I needed to do a different approach to Deval as opposed to Hades because essentially you don't want two books which are exactly the same. I kind of looked at each of the Deval or the personalities and kind of got an idea of what would their citadels be like because I think I read somewhere that they each had their own citadel and then I'm looking at the map that was in the library of Blethrad and I'm like you know this is an awfully small island for seven very powerful beings to all occupy so I kind of expanded upon the dimension itself giving them their own realm so to speak and then the book just grew from there I basically I you know just asked myself all the questions you know, um, what would each realm be like? What would their minions be? Um, and then as I create the realms, kind of more questions pop up. Like, you know, uh, if I'm doing like a, an area where it's all cold and ice, you know, are there forests and so on and so forth. I see. So really, uh, Dival is really as varied as any of the other realms. It's, it's definitely different from Hades, if that's what you're asking. I was just thinking, in terms of the terrain and, and that kind of thing, it, it, when I think of Hades I, and hell in general, I tend to think of you know sulfur and lava and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it sounds like you've really expanded upon that to include, include more of a, a, a world, really. Yes, it is. And actually, it, it's not so much of a world as um, it's got a very unique dimensional aspect to it. Um, I don't want to give too much of the book away before it's published, but it's really more than one dimension. And fans are going to learn that it's essentially kind of like an onion. It has layers to it. And each Devil Lord is going to have their own layer, so to speak. And the deeper it gets, the harder it is to get to the heart of it. Am I mispronouncing it? Is it Devil? Um, I've, I've heard Kevin pronounce it Deval. Deval, okay. So that is how I, I've been trying to pronounce it. Sometimes I'm so used to saying Devil, which is the the generic name for those demons. Right. But um, when I was talking to him about it, he would constantly refer to the world as Deval. Gotcha. So that is how it's pronounced, I believe. Deval. Okay. I will will do my best to pronounce it that way, whether or not that's incorrect or not. We'll we'll let Kevin decide. Oh, don't worry about it. I still (laughs) think Chi-Town, and I think it's supposed to be Chi-Town. I think I pronounce it Kai Town, actually. So yeah, I'm just all over the place, I guess. <laughs> so it's part of. Well, let's step back for a minute. Can you talk a little bit about the Minion War series as a whole? Kind of what's going on and and where Deval plays a part. Oh sure. Well, I mean, the Minion War is all the, came from the idea in Bill Coffin's uh, Land of the Dam books, where he was talking about the Great Rift. So. At the time, back in like 2004, 2003, when I was writing Hades, Hades was something I, I really wanted to write and expand upon. 
and I was still a very, very, very new writer to Palladium, and, um, you know, you kind of want to uh, engender goodwill towards your publisher and, and give them all these ideas and stuff, so I had this bright idea of saying, well, I, I'm writing Hades, maybe I could expand on this whole Minion War concept, and I kind of got the ideas together, I said, well, I can make it into a couple of books, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, what about a war that spans dimensions? So I'm like, okay, I'd have Hades, which is basically they're attacking. Um, the Val, which is going to be, of course, all about the dimension of Dival, and um, it's basically their response to the war. You know, how dare you attack us, and, and their retaliation, and you're getting all of their impressions and such. And then I wanted to take the war beyond those two realms. I wanted to try and up the ante and do something that wasn't done in Palladium before by, by crossing genres and, of course, dimensions. And that's where Dimensional Outbreak came in because Phase World's probably like one of my favorite settings. I said, i got to have demon ships flying through space, and I have to have demons and devils fighting each other. And then to take it multi-genre, I wanted to challenge myself by saying, well, let's take it to the Heroes Unlimited realm and see what we can do there. And then, yeah, where did that idea come from? I'm sorry to interrupt, but that that's the one that always catches me. It's like, wow, where did Heroes Unlimited come from? Well, um, it's I basically I kind of looked at the various um, genres that Palladium has, and I'm thinking like, well, Nightbane is is essentially it is a kind of like a demon war between the the Nightbane and um, the dudes they're fighting, which shows you how much I know about Nightbane. Um, System Failure was like a one-shot book. Um, Palladium Fantasy kind of already has the meaning lore because of the land of the damned. So it ended up being uh, more or less that this, this seemed to be the logical choice to go is it's something different that wasn't done. You know, like why not have you already have stats for demon um, SDC stats? Why not take it to Heroes Unlimited and now you can fight a whole new enemy? Cool. Yeah. And um, that book was. Oh, a blast, right, because basically it's like, how can I put the world on the brink of Armageddon and make the demons and evils responsible for it? So I, I came up with a pretty elaborate plot, which heavily involves the devils, because their main game is subterfuge, misdirection, and I got like a whole history going back, you know, throughout, basically back to like World War II, about their involvement nice. in, in history. And... uh I more or less pitched the idea to Kevin. He's like, yeah, go for it. You know, more or less they're bringing um, Earth, Heroes Limited Earth, to essentially annihilation, kind of like how Rift's Earth was created. You know, maybe if we can right. have enough deaths, we can create our own little nexus of Rift's. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool. Okay. And a lot of what I'm going on, um, I think it'll be elaborated in later books, is that... Yeah, demons and devils are powerful, so are the demon lords and, and the devil lords. But it takes power to transport millions of troops from one dimension to the next. And, you know, they just can't do it all at once. It just didn't seem logical that you could transport so many troops everywhere. Right. So basically, they're using and manipulating rifts, but they're bottlenecks. You can only get so many troops through one rift at a time to various dimensions. So basically, they're going for the big targets which is why Megaverse and Flames is going to be all about Rift's Earth. I mean, that's the, the golden nugget. You know, that's the end-all, be-all. If they can't take Rift's Earth, that's it for the war because 
with Rift Earth, whoever takes that planet can go anywhere. Gotcha. Wow, that that actually comes together really well. Right, thank you. <laughs> but I put and I personally I put a lot of thought in this, you know, I mean I mean first off, you know, I had to convince Kevin that the whole thing is a good idea and you know, his initial response was when I said, Yeah, I got this idea for a five book series and he more or less said, You're explicative crazy. And yeah, he's like, accused me of that, uh, of being that as well. Yeah. And now I look back on it and I go, oh, he's absolutely correct. Because, <laughs> you know, writing one book is is a lot. Yeah. Especially if you're a brand new writer. I'm thinking, oh, I've written two books already. You know, what's five? <laughs> right. And it, it, it turned out to be, a, you know, a, a daunting task. And Yeah, you it's know. basically two and a half times as many books as you've written to date. Exactly. exactly. No, I was uh, I was looking over everything you've got going, and I'm like, either he doesn't know how to share, or he doesn't sleep. I can't figure <laughs> out which one of the two that is. Well, maybe it's I don't know how to share because <laughs> I really need my beauty sleep. <laughs> I, I I don't know some of these younger guys. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not as young as like Jason Richards, Todd Yoho, all, all those guys. So I yeah. I need my sleep. <laughs> I have a day job, man. I, I have to, you know, get in like at least six hours. Nice. Yeah. How do you balance it all? Um, I actually I balance it all pretty well. Um, I don't write as much as I I would like to. Um, basically, I've kind of dedicated myself. I get like an hour for lunch, and that hour I dedicate to writing or doing something because I can eat at my desk while I'm working. That's so cool. I just spend that whole hour. Editing, writing, getting ideas down. Yesterday I was doing research in um, Lone Star and Creation uh, of Magic. And then I'll come home for a few hours after work, do some you know, chores, and then after dinner I'll just sit down and mess around. Cool, cool. Okay, so what's the one thing about uh, Duvall that's really going to surprise us? Um, I think the way it's going to be structured um, just, just the way Duvall is, um, you know, it, it's kind of hard to say without giving it really away to the fans. But like I said before, it's more than one dimension. It's, it's not a single dimension like, like Hades oh, is. Oh, I see. So that's you'll, you'll more or less find out why the demon invasion of Duvall failed, is because they were vastly underestimated. Gotcha. Okay. Well, cool. That that sounds interesting. Do you want to talk about Dimensional Outbreaks in for a little bit? I mean, you, you said it was in the Three Galaxies, but what mm-hmm. what do you have planned specifically for that? Oh, I basically plan on destroying Center, if you're familiar with the Three Galaxies at all. Y- yeah, yeah, that's no, that's I'm kind just, of ambitious. I'm just kidding. Oh. I, I, I love the Three Galaxies, and I just wanted to do something different for it. And um, I, I didn't use my usual approach to sitting down and writing the book. I just started writing certain things. Like, I knew I wanted um, more on the, on the demon ships. So I'm like, well, there's going to be a fleet of demon ships. So I started working on the various demon ships. And I'm like, oh, and I need to do something different for the devils. And I was just going to say, yeah, they each have their own class of demon ship. I'm like, no, that's, that's kind of cheesy. You know, fans are going to want unique vehicles for each. So then I came up with a whole idea that, well, the devils are going to be behind the curve because now they're counterattacking, but they weren't as prepared as the demons, so they start right. Shanghaiing vehicles and ships, and they more or less Shanghai like a whole Naruni production center, and 
you're going to get a whole bunch more on Naruni ships, Naruni gift ships and stuff that I, I nice. elaborated on. Um, and then I started coming up with kind of like a timeline of how things are happening in the three galaxies, how the battle there is unfolding, and I wanted to mesh it with all the current plots, like the Forge War. And I asked Kevin, right. I said, can I use the Forge War to kick off the Minion War in Duval? He's like, yeah, sure, go for it. So basically, um, I think it was the Demons used the Forge War kind of as like a like a red herring, kind of luring ships and traps and, and people right. into this trap and and basically they just started like annihilating some of the fleets. Hmm. And then I came up with, you know, I wanted to do that, I wanted to do a couple of the key battles described, and then I wanted to do this big elaborate thing on center. So as I'm writing about this thing on center, I'm like, well wait, I'm talking about places that really aren't written about yet. So the first third of the book that I, I ended up going back and rewriting is all about the first four levels of center. Cool. And if you don't give a crap about the Minion War, you could buy Dimension Outbreak just for the first third of the book, which is just purely all about the first four levels of center, which um, I elaborated a lot more on the uh, the manners, a lot more notable people. Nice. Uh, my favorite level was level two, doing like the, the shipyards and... Um, God, I can't even remember. I, I put a whole bunch of stuff in there, like on the financial district, a little more history on center, and I just expanded on the next three levels. Now, and just to make it a little interesting, it's not just when basically what you got is you got like the demons coming through the gate, gate land, and you got devils there, so of course fighting breaks out. But I'm like, well, that's as powerful as the Prometheans are. They'll, they'll stop that in a cinch. So I had to throw in a third party to, to make it a whole total. Um, cluster cluster crap yes <laughs> but uh, yeah basically there's a third party I'm not going to tell you who it is it'd be a surprise for the fans but yeah it, it throws chaos into all of center and let's just say it's somebody that's been planning to take over center for a long time they got thwarted a couple of times already and now this is their opportunity to take it for good and um, wow. I try to leave a lot of plot points out there for GMs to take a hold of and say oh well you know, we need to do this to save center, and more or less that's what the player characters go and do. Cool. And um, I, I kind of like laid out at the end, like, like you know, here are the key things to save center, and then I kind of did a, a mini aftermath, saying, you know, here's what the three galaxies are going to be like after the minion war. And I kind of, I kind of like to leave things open because I'm a GM, and I don't want to say, yeah, the whole three galaxies is in chaos because of the minion war. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. So um, I kind of left it open, saying, you know, here's what could happen, here's what might happen, here's how, you know, you handle it how you want. Right. I just we'll see how Kevin goes for that. <laughs> so you see then the menu war really becoming part of the official timeline, and at some point it's going to touch all three galaxies. And mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. That sounds like a really, really interesting book. I'm I, I think I will have to pick it up just for the first four levels uh, of Center Alone. That There's just something about – I'm kind of like you. There's just something about Phase World that has always been really interesting to me. So that will be that will be a good book. Oh, yeah. I just love the whole Phase Opera concept. I'm sorry, Phase Opera. Space Opera concept. <laughs> and, you know, it was from one of my friend's games way back in 2000 or late 90s. You know, it just inspired me to write Three Galaxies. You know, he wrote such good stuff. I'm like, wow, I can – kind of like build and elaborate on what he wrote that's kind nice. of what kicked off my whole writing ideas oh wow it's his, his space opera and um 
and I phase world. I, well, I'm like, I could do this with phase world. And uh, another wow. thing with dimensional outbreak too is you'll get a little bit more in depth on the demon planets and stuff. Oh, cool! From the original Three Galaxies book. Right, right. So we talked a little bit about Armageddon Unlimited. Um, talking about Megaverse and Flames, then. Uh, Megaverse and Flames is my my current monkey on my back. Gotcha. And um, well, basically, you got the finale here, and I, I spent probably a good couple months before writing it, really thinking about it. I'm like, you know, it, it can't be any cheese. It's got to be, it's got to be epic. You know, it has to be, you know, out of the palladium. So I kind of ran some ideas by by Kevin to see if he was okay with it. And I'm definitely not going to be changing the face of Rift's Earth, but I, I'm trying to do something on the scale of the Tolkien War, the, the siege on Tolkien. So wow. I'm trying to get a lot of little things involved. Um, and I'm also playing off of the Mechanoid source book had all those prophecies in there. So I'm kind of playing off of those because um, historically, if you look at a prophecy, it's, it, it can be used over and over again because you can find several interpretations of it. So I'm just saying, well, here's another interpretation of it. Here's the Minion War because I think they mentioned seven dangers or seven demons. So I said, okay, seven demon, demon lords and seven evil lords. Are coming to Rift's Earth, and then from there, um, I'm expanding on the Calgary Kingdom of Monsters, um, and I expanded on the Magic of Soul Manancy, which was touched on very briefly in Hades. Um, Soul Manancy is going to be the key to taking Rift's Earth. Uh, basically, there's this new spell I came up with, which is essentially a spell of legend on the Soul Manancy spell list, which is called Create Hell Pit, and basically it consumes the nexus and makes this bloody, gory, almost looks like a, a bottomless pit around the nexus, Neat. and it connects to another hell pit, like in another dimension, and there's your bridge between like Hades and Rift's Earth. Oh, wow. And yeah, and there's a whole, well, here's how you destroy a hell pit, here's what will impair it, and now basically what you got is, you got demons, you got devils. Now it's a race to take, kind of like risk. I need to take as many nexus points as possible so I can get more of my forces in here. Oh, wait, there's these other things in the way called the Coalition, the Tol Tolkien, I'm sorry, not Tolkien, the Laszlo, Federation of Magic. So a lot of people are going to be caught in the middle of this minion war. So you kind of got all of their reactions to it. And then wow. I've also got uh, Laszlo essentially leading the charge, saying, well, hey, they know about the minion war. They're trying to spread the knowledge, and um, I've always been—I've always liked the idea of strange bedfellows. You know, sometimes your enemy—you have to make a temporary alliance with them. And I know the fans wouldn't buy, you know, the coalition working with magic. So what I got is essentially like Tolkien saying, "We're sending you out this database of knowledge. How you choose to use it is your own business." But basically, they're—they're they're saying knowledge is what's going to win this war, and they're trying to send all they know out to the world saying, you know, if you're going to fight the Minion War, here's what you need to know. So. Wow. That could have huge repercussions for Rift's Earth. I mean, if if the Coalition gets smashed or if Laszlo, you know, loses a big percentage of its forces, I mean, that could be big. It is. And I'm going to try and play so that, I mean, they're not all there on Rift's Earth. You know, you don't have millions of demons and millions of devils yet. 
So I'm kind of doing um, a year of hell. Essentially, I'm taking um, the next sequential year, which is I think we're up to 110 now, at least the yep. one I was talking to Kevin. And that's going to be the year of hell. And that's more or less I'm saying, here's what could happen in the year of hell if the players don't get involved. And more or less it's going to be, you know, they're going to be taking cities, taking locations, taking, you know, real estate. You know, can the players step in and stop this? You know, wow. can, they, can they stop these leaders, these demonic leaders? And they're not all super powerful demonic leaders. You know, I, I sometimes I roll random levels. You know, you're going to be level 13. Oh, you're going to be a level 6 because gotcha. you got lucky and you got to be a, a evil lord. You know, one little imp, as a joke I made up, he, he fell into it because he was at the right place at the right time. Nice. So, and, and it also gives variety on characters, because you can't have, like, these seven dudes which are all super powerful, unstoppable, unbeatable, you know, they got to have flaws, they have to have vulnerabilities that, you know, the players can exploit. So, and that was a hard task, is coming up with these unique individuals. Yeah, that's always pretty tricky. Even, I have trouble with that just in campaigns. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that on five books. Oh. And there's a ton of them in, in Deval, you know, jumping back to that, that book. You know, I, I came up with these little um, – God, I can't even remember that long. Um, they're these unique little demon squads, evil squads that the devil lords use for various functions. And I stated out a couple of those groups. What do you think the best part about the Minion War series is? Um, well, I'm hoping the best part is is that, you know, the, the way Palladium is, is billing this is it's each book is standalone or you can use them all together. You know, I want to be able to give the fans the best of both worlds, you know, because I know there's people that don't like the whole meta plot thing. You know, they don't want the whole minion war. They just want, maybe they want to go to Hades. Or maybe they want to go to Deval. That's what I'm, I'm going for, is you can use the book for, it's a dual purpose. You know, um, people don't realize it, but like the whole minion war, that's just a theme behind all these books. Doesn't mean you have to play it. So gotcha. I'm going for the you know the the duality. You know, hey, here's some ideas you as a GM can use, but also here's the book for your own pleasure. Cool. Yeah, I bought Hades at Gen Con, and it was a it's a good read and a really pretty book. So, I think that the that definitely got the series off to a good start. Well, that's good. Glad to hear. <laughs> I've gotten some pretty good feedback on it so far. I had a couple of discussions about um, the, the most displeasure I think people found was that um, how demons die. They didn't like the fact that, you know, they could only die on Hades. That on this earth, they essentially turn to dust and they're reborn on Hades. Some people felt cheated that, you know, hey, I lost the kill. I don't know. I mean, that makes sense to me. They're, they're demons. They're not going to go down that easy. No. And I mean, depends on how a GM plays it. You know, I always try to play my villains smart, like you play your player characters, because I found that you give your players a lot more of a challenge that way, you know. And if you really play your, your demon or devil smart, most of them have dimensional teleport anyway. So if they can get it off before that, that fatal strike comes in, you still have an enemy that's out there. So I'm like, what's the point? You know, if they die, they're so penalized when they die, it really shouldn't be a factor in your game unless the GM's a jerk. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be so so blunt about it, but I mean, the the lesser demons aren't even going to remember you. 
the greater demons are going to be gone for so long, your character's going to die of old age unless they're an immortal. Right. No, uh, that's cool. I, I I don't really have any problem with it. Um, <laughs> did any of the feedback from Hades inform the writing for some of the later books? Um, not really, because by the time Hades came out, I was practically I was in the yeah. middle of Armageddon Unlimited. That's kind of what so I figured. Most of it was written, except for Megaverse and Flames. So I have to say no. All right. Anything else uh, about the Minion War you think uh, listeners need to know about? Buy them. Buy them all. Buy them all. Um, I, I Can't have say, just one. Yeah, I would say you know if you're not into the whole meta plot thing. You know, at least try and thumb through the book because I'm sure you'll find something of use in it. You know, and I'm not trying to you know shove the whole mini war down their throats. You know, that's like like you were saying. You know, at least with Dimension Outbreak, you're going to get a good chunk on on center. Buy it for that. You know, if that's what interests you. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised to hear that that's going to be in there, but I think it's it really makes the books more valuable that way. Oh yeah. I mean, because, you know, I don't know how many people realize it, but I'm a gamer, too. I mean, I've been role-playing for 20 years now, and I just kind of fell into the whole writing thing. You know, I just got this idea that, yeah, I'm going to try writing a book. And I'm like, yeah, there's no chance it's ever going to get published. You know, I'm, I'm I'm a nobody, and, you know, English, I'm horrible at, at, you know, spelling, and, you know, my English grades were horrible in school. So I'm like, there's no way. And, you know, Palladium gave me my chance, and, you know, Kevin seems to love my stuff, so I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds rough. <laughs> well, the nice thing about working with Kevin, though, is and I, I pretty much told him this on, on numerous occasions, that you know I'm open to criticism. I, I know that I, you know, there's things that need I need to work on, and you know I'm always out for improving myself. You know, I, I know I, I haven't got it all figured out yet. You know, I'm, I'm not that cocky that you know I can't make mistakes. I do make mistakes, so. Sharper than a vorpal sword, faster than wired reflexes three, harder than seven D of knockback, and prettier than a glitter boy. It's RPGpodcast.com. Get all the RPG podcasts you'd ever want to hear. And that does it for the first half of my interview with Carl. Tune in to episode ten to get the second half. I hope you enjoyed listening to Carl. I think he's got a lot of great stories. And just listening to him put together ideas about how he's going to write those books was pretty amazing. I think it's even more amazing in the second part of this episode where he talks about how the fact he just doesn't think he's a very good writer, which kind of made me chuckle. And again, I'm still interested in how you come up with ideas for campaigns and games how you keep your players interested, and and really what you do when you're setting something up. I want to talk a little bit about that in the next episode. I'm also interested to know if anyone used the expanded rules in Rifter 30 to set up a presidential campaign. I've kind of got an idea that since it's election season, I'd really like to run some sort of election actually in Rifts, not using Heroes Unlimited, just to see how they play out. If anybody's got any stories, good or bad, or things I should look about, give me a holler, and we can talk about them on the next show. So, when people ask you how you know so much about Carl Gleba, you tell them you heard it as Echoes on the Riffs.
Some of the music tonight was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. This episode of the Echoes from the Wrist podcast is copyrighted Palladium Books Incorporated, all rights reserved. Megaverse, Palladium Books, Riffs, and other titles and names are registered trademarks of Palladium Books Incorporated and are used with their permission. Opinions expressed by the interviewer and the individual interviewed are not those of Palladium Books.